the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon and greetings to you. Thanks for coming along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kathy's taking the day off, so you'll be with me uh, solo here, if you so choose. Of course, it is the uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and if you've been out today, uh, in and around the... Uh, the clutter of uh, the roadways. It's busy out there, right? There's like a lot of little last-minute shopping heading into uh, Giant Eagle or Shop and Save or Coons or Whole Foods, wherever you're buying. And uh, people are stocking up on their Brussels sprouts or their potatoes, uh, making sure that family and friends have enough to eat, that uh, we celebrate tomorrow in gratitude. So I hope that tomorrow that you are fortunate to be around the table with those you know and love and to give thanks to our our Lord and Savior for where we are at this particular moment in our lives. You know, I think of uh, a lot of you, I, I tend to uh, read, I t- try to t- read uh, widely and uh, to look at uh, different people's uh, opinions and thoughts and all that to come up with some uh, idea of where we exactly are in this world. And I follow the, um, uh, a guy who is a um, psychology professor and... Um, he talks that uh, about enlightenment, right? We are living in the age of enlightenment. Some would say that. <laughs> Although, if you look at the news today, you think uh, it's more of an endarkment in many ways of where we are. But uh, it is a positive thing. It is a um, a proactive thing, right? To, to, to think about we as human beings, that God has placed us somehow in an enlightened position. Now, of course, uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. That's Thursday. Then Friday is this uh, new invention of all of us, um, right? Uh, the, uh, Cyber Friday, right? Um, Black Friday, where everything you know goes on sale. And then, of course, if you're following along from a, a Christian worldview, whether you uh, your denomination or your faith party supports this, your faith life supports this, it is the beginning of Advent. Sunday is Advent Sunday. Now, of course, the Episcopalians, um, uh, the Anglicans, the Catholics, this has been part of their faith tradition for many years to look at Advent. Uh, we as Presbyterians, Presbyterians tend to come to this, I think, a little late to the party. But Advent is a very specific part of the Christian church calendar, a very specific part. Anyway, I digress. So this person that I follow, his name, his name is Steve Pinsker, he believes in the idea of enlightenment and acknowledges that, you know, even as though we are enlightened people, that we as human beings, we tend to backslide into irrationality. Of course, that's true, right? You think about your own thought process. Um, Andrew Carnegie, uh, maybe like you as well, I'm interested in local history. And, you know, Andrew Carnegie, one of the cornerstones, one of the titans of Western Pennsylvania and across the United States, and of course you would argue around the world as well, the steel, steel tycoon, the great philanthropist. 
he too thought that, you know, after reading Darwin, that's a whole other story, after reading Darwin on evolution, that he embraced a motto as his personal creed that, quote, all is well because all grows better. And Andrew Carnegie spoke confidently about man's march to perfection. Now, I realize that in all this, that I'm generalizing, that I'm oversimplifying in many ways. But still, I would say that reliance on scientific data combined with faith in human potential is likely to go hand in hand with an optimistic viewpoint about the view of the human future. The Bible and human nature are best understood, however, not by scientific investigation, but by those who teach and read literature. The great literary novelists show us that the human heart from the inside and how it deceives us goes in its own irrational way, drawn into situations that we did not intend. And they show us how little real control we have over our more destructive impulses. Our destructive impulses. Now, the Bible itself shows us that real human beings, some of us, the, um, some of the most unforgettable in all the world literature, who thought that things and who thought things, I, th- I think, and said things and did things that they did not rationally intend. I think one thing, I do as another. So this coming Sunday, which is so important, this coming Sunday of Advent season, there is a lot of misunderstanding about what we're about to enter into. What are we about to enter into? We look at, you know, Christmas season, this city sidewalks meeting smile after smile, and we listen to silver bells. And, of course, we spend a lot of money. But on the city sidewalks of, whether it's the city sidewalks of Pittsburgh or New York City, there are not many smiling people. Mostly people are in a great hurry to accomplish their goals as they speed past increasing numbers of people who are in despair. It is difficult in many ways to withstand the allure of commercial Christmas, which is we are on the doorstep of. But the Advent season, properly understood, is designed to strengthen us for life in the real world where there are malignant forces actively working against human beings, telling us that there is all right and well in the world, but instead that there is a divine purpose to God. Because the Bible tells us a story. It is not a scientific document. It's not a collection of spiritual principles. The Bible tells us how we came to be who we are in this world and how we fracture the image of God in ourselves by our rebellion and how the Creator came into His own person to transfigure us into the likeness of the Son, Jesus, who became incarnate in human flesh. So that's where we are today. Tomorrow we celebrate with gratitude. Fabulous. Gratitude in all things. And then we delve into the beginning of Black Friday. And then Advent is upon us. The reawakening of seeing ourselves broken in this world. And not the first coming, but the second coming of Christ. That If we follow along and we are prayerful and grateful and, most of all, humble, seeing ourselves as the broken vessels we are, that we can find new life in Christ, advent in this world, right before the beginning of Christ 
who shows us the doorway through all good and great things. The awareness of it all. So whatever your faith perspective is, your faith tradition, be it Episcopalian, Anglican, Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, you name it, I think all of us should be mindful of what we're about to enter into, the turkey legs notwithstanding. We'll take a quick break, come back. We've got much more ahead. We're going to talk about Advent with our first guest. Then we'll get underway with talk of gratitude and as the day moves forward, many other things as well. Thoughts and prayers on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, the ride home here on Word FM. WORD. Dr. Charles Stanley. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now remember that last phrase. It says, in Christ Jesus, that is on the basis of your relationship to Him, we're to give thanks. The teaching of Dr. Charles Stanley on In Touch, helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. It's a fact that MyPillow doesn't have their box stores or any shopping channels available for their product anymore. And because of that, they are passing their extra savings directly to you. You can get the lowest price in the history of MyPillow for their classic standard MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with a promo code. They also have queen size, regularly $79.98, only $24.98 with a promo code. Or king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with a promo code. MyPillow is not just pillows. They also have over 150 products, everything from sleepwear to my new beds. Promo code also works on mystore.com and frankspeech.com. Go to MyPillow.com, call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling right now, 800 800- Three nine one zero nine five four for the best deal on my pillow. Adam, what are you thankful for? Great question, Nick. My new son Henry eating too much of mom's pumpkin pie. I'm grateful that Legacy Box has been able to help millions of people safeguard their important recorded moments. And with our Black Friday event that starts now, more families can enjoy digitizing their home movies and pictures with an insane 65% off. Legacy Box is the best gift for you or a family member. It's what Better Homes and Gardens calls the most sentimental gift to make this holiday season special. And what Reader's Digest called a genius product. That's because Legacy Box is simple and safe, and we digitize everything by hand. You'll get your originals back, plus digital copies that protect your treasured tapes, film reels, and photos from floods, mold, even the decay of time. So while the stuffing is in the oven, make sure to visit Legacy Box and shop our Black Friday event to take an unreal 65% off. With limited quantities ready to ship, this deal will go fast. Black Friday starts now at LegacyBox.com LBOX. That's LegacyBox.com to take 65% off. LegacyBox.com LBOX. Is something missing in your life? There might just be an empty space that only Jesus Christ can fill. Join us for what God is doing at First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326 Avenue, downtown. By the way, getting here for Sunday worship at 1045 isn't so hard. Parking is available at the Mellon Square Garage or the garages on Oliver Avenue behind the church. Come for worship, then stay and get to know downtown. God has blessed us to bless this great city.
from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're happy to welcome to the airwaves, Timothy Paul Jones. He is the author of many books, The God Who Goes Before You and of uh, How We Got the Bible. Uh, just really a, a, an interesting guy who writes and publishes on a regular basis. He wrote a piece that we saw called Advent, The Difficult Disciple Discipline. I'm sorry, Advent, The Difficult Discipline of Celebrating the Waiting. And Timothy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, it's great to be with you again. It's been a long time, yeah, but thanks. We're happy to have you with us, especially to talk about Advent as we're about to enter into this season. Now, you know, I talked about this at the beginning of the, of the show here. This is something that a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, we, we have sort of been remiss in our recognition and our following through theologically with the Advent season, don't you think? I think so, and I think a lot of that's just because uh, sometimes more than we even know, our rhythms of life are determined by the culture around us rather than by the Christian tradition or the Christian calendar. But I think that's true, that we've been sort of remiss in in celebrating or even in understanding, really, what's going on in Advent. Yeah, okay, so I talked about the coming of Jesus. So can you talk to us about your perspective of what really is going on in Advent, what we're about to enter into? Well, Advent, we need to first think about just even what the word itself means. The word just means coming. It's from the Latin word for coming. And so it's a time in which we look forward to the coming of Jesus. We learn to wait and to wait patiently for the coming of Jesus. And so that's one of those things. It's hard to market waiting. And so it's hard for us to kind of get that sometimes. (laughs) Waiting is not very marketable. And yet what's going on in this is that we are celebrating waiting. We are celebrating patience. And to me, it is in some ways the most countercultural of all the elements of the church year, because if there's anything our culture tells us you don't have to do, it's wait. And yet this says it is not merely that we're waiting for Christ to come, but that our waiting is good and our waiting is meaningful. That's what Advent is supposed to help us do and to think about. Fabulous. It is good to wait. So we are waiting for the arrival of the child Jesus to come into this world, but But why is it, do you think, that we have somehow sort of gleaned over this Advent season? We sort of jump into the Christmas season. Has commercialism taken over and we as believers have just sort of jumped along with that? Well, I also think it's partly that, but I think it's because in our fallen human nature, the fact is that we don't want to wait. We just don't want to in this. And, uh, and, and so we leap forward to simply celebrating Christmas, which, of course, is its own beautiful and wonderful thing. It's not to downplay that at all. And we just bypass it. We, and, and so because of that, we forget, we jump around it. And, and that time of what I think Advent could be for us today in our culture, who we have everything so instantly, could it be a time for us, if we were to truly celebrate it, of in different times of our day, in different times of our life, say, there's something I'm going to do that I'm just going to breathe and slow down and be patient and be intentionally Patient. That may be something as as simple as taking a walk with your child and not trying to rush things along. It may be something as simple as as choosing to to do something in a way that takes longer, and just to slow down and calm down in that time. And in that time, remember and think about what it is 
to wait for Jesus to come and to yearn for Jesus to come. I think especially where we are right now culturally in terms of coming out of pandemic and all of those things, that's even in particular, that yearning for Jesus to come, um, I think is really important for us to recognize that we've gotten so comfortable in so many ways. And I think that's the other reason we leap over this is we can get so comfortable and forget to yearn for Jesus to come. And I I hope that if there's one thing we've been reminded of, it's that we do long for, we do want in our souls a world where all things are made right and new, and there is no more pandemics, and there are no more sickness and death. Those are things we ought to long for, but it's easy to leap forward to the the celebration and to forget to yearn for Jesus to return. Mm, That's really good, Timothy. Uh, I I would say, you know, sometime to my mom. I'm just killing time. I'm just going to kill some time. That would make her crazy. I mean, the idea of killing time. And so we are bad. I would say that I'm bad at waiting, right? Um, you know, A friend of mine talked the other day about, oh, I'm stuck in the airport. I've got a five-hour delay. What do I do in the interim to kill the time of waiting for five hours? Now, Advent is not necessarily about killing time, isn't You're saying that Advent is something that we intentionally need to pass through. And if we're going to pass through it, then we should use those resources to the, to the best effect. So throughout the Advent season, Timothy, are, are you doing something differently? Are you praying differently? Are you worshiping differently, thinking differently than you would you know, during the regular season of the year? I think one of the things our family does is we try to just kind of slow down, calm down in the evenings um, a, a little bit more during this time and and use that time. We do something called the Jesse tree. You can look that up online. It's a good way for your family to celebrate this. And we, we sit down and just color um, these decorations that you can get that are these Jesse tree decorations with colored pencils. Just even that is this slowing down in the evening and saying we're not going to rush. We're going to take some time to be together, to just be present and to do something silly, color this each night together. Um, That's something you can do in that something in which you are slowing down, calming down and waiting and to look for those spaces in your life when you do have to wait, when you do have those layovers and think, what can I do? Maybe not just in Advent, but in any time to actually deploy those in a meaningful way, not by having to be productive, but by rather calming down in the presence of God and rejoicing in that and let that awaken a yearning for I'm waiting for a flight right now. I'm waiting for this or that right now, but there will come a day when Jesus is coming, and I am most of all waiting for that. Fabulous. You would think that during these past 19 or 20 months or so that we as a nation, as a society, would have gotten pretty good at waiting, right? We've all sort of been waiting for COVID to pass to reopen the world as we used to remember it. But instead, we've gotten worse, I believe, right? The infighting, the anger, the finger-pointing, the animosity, we're just not hardwired to wait well. We aren't. I think our world, it just again, we're trying to rush back into everything, and that's not necessarily bad. We all want to return to certain things, and that's good. That's not a bad thing. But it's this, this notion of rushing, and in some sense, it's, it's almost an entitlement where we think the world owes me the capacity to, to do certain things. And, and the fact is that, that that means that we aren't understanding the reality of grace, of grace. And so for us, I mean, this has been a crazy season for us in particular, our oldest daughter 
daughter was one of the first COVID cases um, and was on a ventilator for a month with a less than a 1% chance of survival um, in, uh, I guess that was March, April of of, uh, 2020. And so for us, she's still recovering from that as we, we look at that and all those things like that. And as we look at that, that's that in some ways have forced us in a good way to be able to slow down, to calm down uh, in that and and to yearn for something better. I was in the midst of that, that I, I think I realized for the first time, I would really like for Jesus to return right now, <laughs> because whatever it may be that I may miss out on by Jesus returning, what he brings is better than this world. And I don't know that I'd ever really felt that way quite the same way before oh, of really realizing that. And I think that's what we need and, and to look for in these seasons. Timothy Paul Jones is with us from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So, Tim, what about, um, as I said when you came in, uh, Anglicans, Episcopalians, Catholics, you know, um, they they sort of like, you know, had a better understanding or at at least a more theologically robust celebration of the Advent season. Um, can you talk about that? You know, why maybe Presbyterians or Baptists are a little slow to respond to a traditional viewpoint of Advent and why we can get or how we can get better at focusing on that? Well, I think those of us in the Reformed and Free Church traditions, we're a little suspicious of certain things because of the ways, in certain ways, that they were misused um, up into the Reformation and yeah. things like that. So we're just suspicious. There's a suspicion there. That suspicion isn't necessarily bad, but we also, it doesn't mean that we need to reject everything that may come from these particular seasons. Uh, one of the things I do tell people is the actual contemporary uh, way that we celebrate Advent with the four candles and everything like that. That's actually a Lutheran thing from the early 19th century. Um, and so it's, it comes from more from that tradition than anything else. There was a, a guy and his name was uh, Johann Wichern, and he ran this orphanage and he was trying to find a way for his the children in the orphanage to count down to Christmas. And he set up 24 candles um, is what he did. But the big candles were the Sundays. And, uh, and so he actually would do that. And that's where our contemporary version of this comes from. And so if people are maybe concerned about something from Catholicism or something like that, um, don't be, because this is actually more of a Lutheran thing than anything else. But the fact is, all of us, no matter what religious tradition we come from, all of us can stand to learn to wait and to yearn for the return of Jesus. And ultimately, it's not about the candles. It's not about Advent. It's about disciplining our souls to long for Jesus and be able to be patient and to wait well. That's what it's ultimately about. And so some church, one church may decide not to call it that or not to do it quite that way. Okay, that's fine. But figure out ways that you can celebrate and learn to wait well in Christ and trust in him. Well, that's fabulous. Disciplining our souls to long for Jesus in this Advent season we're about to enter into. So uh, as a pastor, someone who, who writes uh, well and deeply, what are you thinking about? What are you reading differently during the Advent season? Do you look at scripture passages a different way? Do you delve into something deeper? Is it a daily reader? Is it a daily devotional? What's that look like for your Advent? Advent tools. 
you know, one of the things for me is I try to find something that I'm going to read slowly and deliberately. That's one of the things I do is just try to find something that I will read slowly and deliberately. And uh, for example, for me, uh, right now, the the one thing that I'm I'm reading um, right now is a book by Hannah Anderson called Turning of Days. Um, It goes through the year, through the seasons of the year, and it's much more contemplative and it's a slow read and a meditative read. So I'll try to do something like that, as well as with my family, as I mentioned earlier, to try to do something where together we are doing something just each night to slow down for a little bit and not to have to feel like we have to be entertained, but to slow down together as a family and do so in a way that is worshipful and prayerful in what we're doing. And so that's the thing. It's not something huge, something where you need to go out and buy some massive uh, thing or something like that or one certain magical object. It's simply being deliberate about something very simple in what you're doing. I mean, I like about this. What I like is, you know, I was in uh, the grocery store the other day, and I saw that they were selling the um, Advent calendars, which, you know, people of no faith at all would buy an Advent calendar because it's sort of a countdown to Christmas Day. And inside a lot of Advent calendars, especially for little kids, are pieces of chocolate. So, you know, you can see the secularization of whatever, you know, the Christian faith is. And, of course, we'll sell that anyway. You can get it bundled up. So I, I do appreciate that you don't have to go out and buy something for the sake of buying something to enter into this holy season. And one of the things to do as well, this is what I do with actually with our kids. We have a calendar of that sort, but we put a twist on it for our kids. And that is each child, we rotate, we've got four children, we rotate through them where they, where they get something, but they don't get to keep whatever they get out of it. They have to gift it to one of their sisters, uh, one of their other sisters. So it's something where you get something, but then you give it away immediately. And that we did to discipline ourselves and them. So this year it's a Lego set, uh, but what they'll do is they go through that and then they'll give it to one of their one of their siblings, hey. and that way we're doing it in a way of giving rather than getting, rather than immediate gratification. Rather, it's delayed gratification of saying I'm going to give it this, knowing that at some point I'm going to get something later, but it'll be in somebody else's time and somebody else's way. Very good. That's very good, Dad. You're, you're passing that along, and you're allowing people to have some patience as well. Okay, so listen, uh, uh, you talked about your daughter, uh, an early case of COVID. Uh, grateful that she is. Uh, still on the road to recovery, but you know, uh, here you are tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I'm sure there's lots of gratitude in your life because of that. So can you pinpoint a gratitude for this year? I think that particularly, she has made so much progress. Um, she's able to work a job as well as going to continuing college, and so thankful for that. Um, and, and honestly, we've, we have uh, four adopted children, and uh, in that, we've just seen them grow so much during this time. And uh, we also had another child that had a severe concussion, and we've seen God just bring out uh, our family in so many ways in this. And and it, it's I'll just look and I'll choke up tomorrow looking around our table with uh, multiple ethnicities around the table and children from all different places that will gather there and and be thankful that God has brought us together, put us in this place, and has set us here together and preserved us um, through all these things that have happened over the past couple of years. Fabulous. Amen. Hey, Timothy, uh, before you leave us, if people are so interested and they want to follow along with you, are, are you online? Do you have a presence people can find you? 
Yes, they can go to either my website, timothypauljones.com. That one's easy to remember, timothypauljones.com. Or they can sign up for an apologetics newsletter I do, which is just at theapologeticsnewsletter.com. Simple as that, theapologeticsnewsletter.com. Very nice. Well, Tim, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate you here. Your good word about Advent and gratitude. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. To you as well. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Timothy Paul Jones from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, easily found online. Christmas is coming. We need to buy France Sue. Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Sal. For Mom and Dad. Mom's dog Chewbacca. I want some Legos. City's teachers. Pastor. Grandma wants a VCR machine. VCR? Legos. We need three hands. Two turkeys. Christmas bulbs. Wrapping paper. I want Legos. And Legos. If you're worried that holiday spending is going to deck your halls, there is something to consider. Maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play is the cash out refinance loan. We've had so many listeners this year take advantage of this moment by cashing out a chunk of that newfound equity or money in their homes, and at the same time, even lower their monthly payment or years on their loan. It's a very unique current opportunity. We are United United Faith Faith Mortgage. Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm listener 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. It's a fact that MyPillow doesn't have their box stores or any shopping channels available for their product anymore. And because of that, they are passing their extra savings directly to you. You can get the lowest price in the history of MyPillow for the classic standard MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with a promo code. They also have queen size, regularly $79.98, only $24.98 with a promo code. Or king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with a promo code. MyPillow is not just pillows. They also have over 150 products, everything from sleepwear to my new beds. Promo code also works on mystore.com and frankspeech.com. Go to MyPillow.com, call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling right now, 800 391-0954 for the best deal on MyPillow. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Bags under your eyes? That's junk sleep. And Mattress Firm can help. Shop the Black Friday sale and save up to $500 on top-rated brands you'll love, like Sleepies. Plus, pair the mattress of your dreams with a free adjustable base with qualifying purchase. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 37 for Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. Cloudy with a couple of afternoon showers and a high of 46. Tomorrow night, periods of rain in the evening, followed by a couple of showers of rain or snow late, low 29. Friday, a thick cloud cover. It'll be breezy with a couple of snow showers. We'll reach a high Friday of 34. 
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. I don't think it's ever been easy to be a police officer, but especially nowadays, uh, the spotlight is uh, deeply on uh, the men and women who are in blue, which was why I was really happy to see something today in the Trib. Pittsburgh City Council is considering a measure to expand partnerships between police and religious organizations. City Councilman Ricky Burgess, who is a pastor who was recently elected moderator of the Allegheny Union Baptist Association, introduced legislation that would have the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police participate in something called the One Congregation, One Precinct, or one COP, one COP program, and National Faith and Blue Weekend. Ricky Burgess says that there are about 300 houses of faith in the city. He hopes that the majority would participate. Uh, during the last Faith and Blue Weekend, seven of the city houses of faith and 30 city police officers participated, said Tiffany Klein Costa with the Pittsburgh Police Community Engagement Office. She says this, the police officers are human beings, and it's really important that we get to look each other through that prism, building relationships and therefore building trust. If you call the police and you feel an overwhelming trust, you're going to be more comfortable when they show up. Whenever we sit down in those rooms together and we break bread, we realize that we're all struggling with the same issues of what it is to be alive. Faith-based leaders are seeing the same social issues that police are facing when they're serving in the streets every day. So we can come together to address some of these social, social issues and serve as better neighbors to everybody around us. Now, Bible Center Church in Homewood is one of several churches that have teamed up with police for such conversations. Police officers also joined the church for informal events like a garden cleanup with the community, said Executive Pastor Cynthia Wallace. The One Cop program would include organizing various crime and violence prevention efforts, housing public safety briefings, offering cultural and sensitivity training, providing officer appreciation events, holding community safety workshops, and hosting forums that focus on improving the relationship between police and citizens, according to the proposed legislation, which could gain final approval as soon as next week. All right. I'm in favor of that. I mean, anytime you get uh, people who are just, you know, regular citizens and the police officers sitting down face to face and not seeing, you know, the cops as the bad guys and trying to, you know, so-called defund the police. This is a good thing. I I, I got to say this. I, I've been in many ways um, a critic of the um, current uh, city council because I believe that they're more socialist uh, uh, involved, that their you know, ideas are more involved in instead of governing, but instead of looking at you know, the idea of, well, you know, we should engage from a socialist perspective in city politics, that the, 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 the governing body has been that way. But when I see something like this, like this I go, okay, this is good. That, you know, you recognize the power of local faith communities, the local church, which I hope that you're part of. And to see the prism of social issues and the success of social issues through what the church, faith in Jesus Christ, his love, his grace, his engagement in our lives, that's first and foremost. And then social issues will stem from that the success of social issues. So so kudos. I'll, I'll reach out and uh, 
try to bring Ricky Burgess on the air and uh, see if we can have a little conversation about that to further expand the partnership between local faith leaders, the police, and the local community as well. We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk about birds, not turkeys, but a pastor who loves birds. 101.5 WORD. Dan Orlovsky was a young quarterback playing for the Detroit Lions when he met two other quarterbacks, John Kitna and Josh McCown. I had never been around anyone like them. They wanted to crush you when you competed against them, but then they were like amazing human beings to you. Both of those men wound up having a profound impact on the younger player's life. We'll hear that story next time on Family Life Today. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Now that the pumpkins are almost gone, do you know what time it is? It's time to talk turkey. At the Springhouse in 84, we really do like to enjoy one holiday at a time. But our customers are calling now to talk about Thanksgiving turkeys. For 20 years, we've been selling fresh turkeys raised by a friend who is a big turkey farmer who really knows how to raise turkeys. I grew up on a farm where we raised dressed and sold turkeys, and I do feel we know what a good turkey should look like. First of all, it should be fresh. That's when it's at its very best quality, not frozen. It should be meaty and broad-breasted, and it should be cleaned to perfection. We're really fussy about selling only the best at the Springhouse, and we do believe our turkeys are the best. Call 228-3339 now to order yours, and don't forget to order buns, casseroles, and most of all, pumpkin pies. Let us help you make your Thanksgiving really delicious. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. I don't know if this is true or not, but I would believe that, you know, the isolation of COVID, especially in those early, early days, allowed people the freedom to either look out their window or to be in their yards and engage with the uh, the birds that are around us, right? I mean, you're, you're stuck at home, so you're looking in your backyard. Maybe uh, you decided to have a bird bath or a bird feeders because there because there is something that just incredibly beautiful deeply fascinating about birds 
Kevin Burrell is with us. Kevin is a pastor at Stonebridge Church Community in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he himself is a bird lover uh, of a whole other stripe. And Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, Kevin, uh, you're a pastor. You're also a bird lover. But you're much more than a guy who has a bird feeder in his backyard. Tell us about your interest in birds and where it's taking you. Sure, fun. Yeah, I imagine you get a lot of bird speakers on your show, right? Uh, <laughs> so, You're the first, I believe. <laughs> uh, well, good, good. Um, you know, it's funny that um, during the, you know, you mentioned during the pandemic, there's just uh, uh, all of our practices kind of shifted. And uh, I, I had these grand aspirations about a year and a half ago when we moved to the shelter in place that uh, everybody in my family w- was going to look back on this and say, hey, this is the time that I learned how to you know, play the the drums or something amazing, right? So um, my son learned a little bit of Italian and my daughter learned some recipes. And and, uh, uh, for me, I started writing. Um, (laughs) So that's uh, that's kind of what happened about a a year and a half ago, just starting a blog about um, birds and faith, just using birds as illustrations. I'm a pastor, I I think, in terms of illustrations. And uh, I thought it would be a fun something to write because I wanted to, not because I had to. And... uh, something that uh, connected a, a hobby of mine as an illustrative way of just kind of thinking about the Christian faith. Fabulous. So. Okay. So, you know, if you're a regular reader of the Bible, you read the Bible, you know your Bible. I mean, birds are featured in the Bible, are they not? They're kind of, oh, yeah. In fact, uh, I think Jesus uh, commanded us to uh, consider the birds. I'm not sure how seriously we take that as an imperative, but it's in there. So yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, yeah. So then what is it about it? I mean, uh, at, at an early age, was there somebody in your life who pointed out the beauty of birds, the complexity of birds, and said, be aware of this, and you took it from there, or was it something you developed on your own? Right, yeah. Well, my faith journey began around age 15, where I think I kind of, the pieces came together, and my understanding of uh, the world is as created by um, a loving God, and 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 Jesus is the one who's you know revealed him and, and you know imaged himself to us. And it was a few years later in college that the the bird watching thing kind of kicked in. Um, I was a biology major, and uh, we ended up uh, I had a uh, an invested professor, and I had a tropical biology trip to Costa Rica my senior year, and I was pretty hooked by that. So, but it wasn't until like I said, maybe a year and a half ago that those two things just felt like they maybe could come together and just have some fun writing. So what are we missing? I mean, when you when you look at birds and you're a student of the birds, and of course as a pastor, a student of God's Word, and those two intersect, what do you see that the normal person doesn't see? I mean, do birds call somehow differently through God? You know, um, are, are there birds that you look at that bird and say, oh, that bird does this to me because I see Jesus in that bird? Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I think I get it. Um, you know, I probably don't see, I think any of us can do this. I think we just need to be attentive to some aspect of a creative God's creation, because it's a gift to us. I, I think that, you know, wow, you go back to Genesis 1, and God could have made a bird and called it bird and been done with it, and a tree, and instead he made, you know, over 10,000 different species of bird. They just found, they just discovered a new species last week. So, so uh, this God's creativity on display. I just think it's wonderful if, if we as believers can be attentive to some aspect of God's creation. And, you know, you can you can do mushrooms or stars or whatever you want, but I, I chose birds. <laughs> and I think it's just good for us to pay attention. Fabulous. Okay, now wait, you just said that they discovered a new species last week? Yeah, crazy. Well, they actually discovered it maybe 20 years ago, but it takes a long time for them to determine that it actually is a new species. And so that was announced last week. Yeah. And I, I did some research on it. I'm actually, uh, it's, this is my latest uh, uh, endeavor. And uh, 
I was surprised to discover that this isn't all that surprising. Uh, they're finding these species all the time. It's uh, a lot more common than I thought. Fabulous. Okay. So talk to us then about, you know, there you are, you're in North Carolina. Here we are in Western Pennsylvania. I'm sure there's a, a, a totally different bird population from where you are to where we are. But when you look at like your favorite bird, talk to us about that and why. Wow. Favorite, huh? Well, um, one of the favorite ones that I've, I've written about recently was, uh, in fact, one of the first ones that kind of came up during the shelter in place was the hummingbird. And, and we get the same ones down here that you get up there. They're ruby-throated hummingbirds. But um, seeing one resting, seeing one still is like seeing a unicorn. I mean, they're just it's so you always see them in frantic motion. And uh, the frantic motion hummingbird looked a lot like me. And the still hummingbird looked a lot like what the shelter in place had thrust upon me. And uh, that just became an interesting uh, illustration for me about the, the need for um, uh, meaningful work, but also the need for, for rest. And uh, there's, there's reasons why uh, the Lord uh, calls us to rest. So yeah. that was a, a, a fun uh, uh, meandering, I guess, or uh, pondering about a year ago. The hummingbirds. Okay, so th- I- I've seen people like, you know, have the hummingbird feeders with the syrup and whatnot. Are you doing that in your own home? Well, I do. Uh, yeah, they-, they seem to like my wife's uh, vines that she's planted a lot more than my uh, artificial stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do that and we do see a lot. It's amazing watching one come across the cul-de-sac. They- they're moving 35, 40 miles an hour and then they stop on a dime. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing to think uh just how uh, how intricate uh, something that small can be. Fabulous. So, so uh, then you're saying that anybody could attract hummingbirds. I mean, you, you put out your feeder, your liquid, and sooner or later they're going to find this pretty much? Um, yeah, sure. You know, it's, what's funny is they'll fly all the way down to Mexico, and, um, and then next year they'll come all the way back, and they have got it uh, locked in in their minds exactly where those hummingbird feeders are. So if, you, if you're in the habit of putting one out, make sure and keep it out because they'll be looking for it. Fabulous. We're talking to Kevin Burrell, uh, Birding Lessons in the Christian Faith. Talk to us about your blog for a second. The, the name itself is very, uh, very unique. This is not something you came up with, but it is related to faith and birds. No, true. Well, it's, that's an easy one. It's ornithology. So if, if you, if you uh, know both those words, and then uh, you get the joke as to how they fit together. It's ornithology with an E. And uh, I wish I could take credit, but that's a John Stottism. Um, nobody probably as, as, as full aware that John Stott was an avid birder. In fact, uh, he... Um, yeah, he traveled the world and uh, has, was probably, uh, uh, that was just an enormous hobby for him in addition to all of his uh, theology. So that, he coined the term, uh, I'm just borrowing it. Very nice. Ornithology, you can find it easily online with Kevin Burrell. So, um, of course, uh, pigeons, it, well, I, I look at your blog right now and you're talking about pigeons knowing the way home. Now, uh, I had a friend who used to say, pigeons are essentially just flying rats. <laughs> and, and, and I think they're still beautiful birds. I used to live in Manhattan, and I lived in an area, a neighborhood of Manhattan, where it was kind of old school. And there were these old Italian guys who, on the very top of their buildings, had these cages. And uh, they had these long sticks with little bandanas on the end. And anyway, they would. it was kind of like a sport they would play, that they would open up these bird cages, and certain you know circles of birds would fly around, and they would essentially play capture the bird. Do you know anything about that? I always thought it was fascinating. And these guys would go down to the local bodega, and it was kind of like bragging rights, and they would keep score on who had whose birds. 
Wow. No, I had no idea. I haven't heard of that. I do know that when I posted that, I did get uh, several emails from friends who said that their parents used to keep pigeons. Uh, they're just, I think we just viewed them differently a couple of generations ago, um, mostly for their homing you know, capacities. I don't know if you know the U.S. Army Signal Corps in World War I had a pigeon brigade. brigade. Um, the, we did, the Germans did, the British did. Really? Um, so uh, I think that they... Maybe they've fallen from grace a bit, but the pigeons used to be held in a bit more high esteem, I think. Fabulous. Okay, so, Kev, you know, again, as a pastor and as a bird lover, um, what is it? I mean, when you look at them, what are we missing? We see the birds in the sky. Of course, you read the Bible, but there's something that, you know, you've taken and you've, you've developed it into a love, a deeper appreciation that somehow I think the average person is missing. Can you clue us in on that of why we should be more aware and why we could fall in love with birds as well? Sure, sure. Well, thanks. Um, you know, I don't know that I'm catching anything that, that anybody else couldn't catch just by uh, staring for a few minutes. I am humbled to come on the show right after Timothy Paul Jones. I'm a big fan of his, and I appreciate him even mentioning during Advent that Advent's waiting, and sometimes waiting is just is just kind of uh, stepping out of our hurriedness and just um, paying attention to something. And so um, I, I've enjoyed paying attention to uh, the birds in my feeders and the birds in the woods as I kind of go to some of my favorite spots here around Charlotte. And um, I think that uh, for me, it's not it's not about seeing God in birds. Uh, they're an illustration, just like any pastor's looking for illustrative material. Some some pastors can speak uh, uh, sports or, or music or wherever they're drawing their inspiration from. But uh, for me, a lot of it lately has been coming from uh, just paying attention to. I mean, you can go anywhere and be a bird watcher because they're absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I remember years ago I was in a, a public park with my. Uh, young nephew at the time. I bet he was six or seven years old. And there were a bunch of people in an organized group walking through. And so out of curiosity, we were like, hey, we just joined them. We sort of like hung back. And there was a birder, you know, explaining in great detail as we were walking through the thickness of the woods, what we were experiencing. And it was fabulous. I mean, the deep knowledge that he had and just the minute detail of what we were seeing was just really incredible. So I, I love the idea of, you know, whether it's, you know, just, you know, a, a casual sort of a, a passing a knowledge of birds like most people have or wanting to dig deeper into it, it, it sort of, you know, approaches all levels of interest and, and passion. I agree. I agree. And I think it's fun to hang out with people who know more than you do. There are uh, much better theologians and uh, much better ornithologists out there than me. I'm just trying to put the two of them together. That's cool. So uh, it's fun to learn. Now, yeah. having said that, though, tomorrow, I would imagine you'll eat a bird. <laughs> You'll have to read about my turkey post on the on the website tomorrow. Yeah, I think uh, I think that we find a lot of gratitude uh, around Thanksgiving in um, in a turkey because we think it tastes good. But uh, I think that a live turkey is a good image too. So I was trying to play around with that, and uh, that's on my website as well. That's fabulous. Well, Kevin, thanks an awful lot. I mean, I really appreciate it. Ornithology, the blog, is really fascinating to me, and I would encourage our listeners to go there as well. Well, thank you. Thanks for the time. I'm uh, I'm humbled and uh, great, grateful to talk about it. Thanks My a lot. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Kevin Burrell, pastor in North Carolina, Ornithology. Look for that on the web. If you know birds, love birds, want to read more about them, Ornithology. Do you pay for your own health insurance? Are you self-employed, a gig worker? Are you a small business owner trying to help your employees find affordable benefits? If so, listen up. 
My name is Tom Yakupin, and you can save 25 to 50% or more on your monthly premiums and have benefits with first dollar protection on many common outpatient services. That's right, no deductible, no copayments. With many traditional health plans, you're functionally uninsured because of deductibles, copays, and other cost sharing devices that benefit the insurance company, but not you. With New Era Health Plans, you can access doctors, hospitals, and urgent care facilities with our freedom of choice nationwide PPO network, including Washington Hospital, St. Clair, Allegheny General, and UPMC. Call me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187, or visit us online at NewEraHealthPlans.com. I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say. Listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. With today's technology, anyone can take a video. But getting it ready for prime time, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos for your social media, podcast, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, a potential sign of flu or COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Exergen Temporal Scanners are available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. That's E-X-E-R-G-E-N.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our Work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Or Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Or perhaps Psalm 107.1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I, I hope that and I bet you do, from time to time, read in the Bible about gratitude. 
used to express thankfulness and praise. It refers, of course, to the quality of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation for and to returning kindness. Because throughout life's (laughs) many hardships and trials and blessings, displaying a general attitude of gratitude distinguishes you and I, the Christian. But more than anything, and especially, it makes you a pleasant, a lovely person to be around. Because practicing gratitude actually increases the dopamine in your brain, right? The stuff that makes you feel good and encourages your brain to seek more of the same. So scientifically speaking, reading praise in God's holy word is good for you. (laughs) It's good for you. It's hard for us, isn't it? I mean, uh, to to know those men and women who are the, the regular digging deepers in God's holy word I love this so much, right? Are you one of those people that you set aside regular Bible reading? And within that regular Bible reading, you're able to find thanks and praise at a moment's notice. Psalm 103, 2, 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Read God's holy word and give thanks in all things. We'll take a quick break and step away for news. We've got much more ahead. The 5 o'clock hour, the ride home with John and Kathy. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, Word FM. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott in Brunswick, Georgia. A jury finds all three men charged in the killing of Ahmad Arbery guilty of murder. Correspondent Bernie Bennett has the report. Gregory McMichael, his son Travis McMichael, and William Roddy Bryan Jr. were charged with felony murder in Arbery's death, which sparked national outrage last year after a video of his shooting was made public. Jurors did not charge Bryant with malice, but did charge him with obstruction of justice. Arbery was jogging in Brunswick, Georgia, when he was fatally shot in 2020. All three men now face a maximum sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. The federal trial of these three men is set to take place in February. Bernie Bennett reporting. It will be up to Judge Timothy Wamsley to decide whether the sentence, life in prison, will come with or without the possibility of parole. The Dow is down 37 points. The NASDAQ is ahead 33. This is SRN News. One of my favorite developments of the last five years has been the popularity growth of sweatpants. If there's a situation where I'm allowed to wear them, I'm in them. And there's no better day of the year to be in sweatpants than on Thanksgiving or Christmas Day. Dad will be in his button-up jeans or old-school dress pants. And what my sweatpants bring me is a serious advantage when it comes to eating copious amounts of food. It's Ryan. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves. And one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. 
For you, this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase, leaving more money for sweatpants. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Windows R pittsburgh.com that is windows when the earth stands between you and a finished project you need e and k excavation whether you have to dig it grade it drain it prep it stabilize it shape it clear it or dispose of it e and k excavation has over a hundred years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will they can handle any size project for your home or business providing quality results on time and on budget for a free quote visit ek excavation.com they'll move the earth for you at ek excavation.com hello we're FM listeners, I'm Andrew Pawaski, General Sales Manager at Salem Media here in Pittsburgh. Looking to upgrade your career? Increase your annual earnings? At Salem Media, we sell advertising campaigns to local business owners using our radio stations and Salem Surround assets featuring over 50 social media and digital products. If you have more than two years of successful outside sales experience, proficient computer skills, and a drive to be the best, please go to Salem.cc and look for Pittsburgh under the Careers tab. Salem Media Pittsburgh is an equal opportunity employer. Cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 37 for Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. Cloudy with a couple of afternoon showers and a high of 46. Tomorrow night, periods of rain in the evening, followed by a couple of showers of rain or snow late, low 29. Friday, a thick cloud cover. It'll be breezy with a couple of snow showers. We'll reach a high Friday of 34. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh, no, we're, we're here. We're live. Honest, we are. Really, this is... Yeah. She, it is, uh, let me see, it is uh, 5.04 on a Thursday, Wednesday afternoon, the day before Thanksgiving. So we are live. Um, <clears throat> our church, uh, for many years, uh, has housed the offices of the uh, Pittsburgh Regional International Student Ministries, PRISM. If you uh, uh, don't know that, uh, what, what PRISM, Pittsburgh Regional International Student Ministry. And, and it's the, the church that I worship at is in the uh, Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. So uh, as you might imagine, you know, in Oakland, 
with the University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon University and uh, Carlo and uh, Chatham and all that, you know, plus all the different hospitals, right? Um, it attracts a very wide and diverse population of internationals who come into the city and whether they are, you know, students at the local uh, universities or they are working in local hospitals, a lot of the internationals, of course, have no idea, not any idea, what Thanksgiving celebration is all about. So PRISM has for years uh, really encouraged us in our local church to invite international students or workers in hospitals to be part of the uh, Thanksgiving table, which has always been a blessing. But it's also been funny as all get out as well, because, you know, if you've been fortunate enough to travel to um, to foreign countries and you're adventuresome and you want to try what the local food is, the local fare, you kind of go, what exactly am I eating? And this doesn't taste like what I'm used to eating. Well, that's what happens around the dinner table at, at PRISM events. When you invite people into your home, and for the first time, people are having cranberry sauce or turkey or, you know, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it's always really cool. It's always very interesting to look at Thanksgiving from an outsider perspective. And I, I guess in some ways, right, when you look at Thanksgiving as it is, I mean, how often throughout the year are you eating turkey? Now, of course, turkey has gained much more, you know, sort of wider acceptance. In many ways, you know, it's an alternative, at least it used to be, as a cheaper alternative to ground beef, right? I mean, people would have turkey tacos and whatnot, but it's rare. I mean, most people have turkey once or twice a year, and they leave it at that. I don't know. I like turkey, don't you? It has its very odd uh very delicious taste, I would say. Not not odd. I, I Maybe mean, that's me just sort of editorializing. I remember years ago living in New York City, though, uh, we had a neighbor, and um, she was a dear sweet thing. And she could not afford her turkey meal. She would say, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to have turkey. Sometimes I'd have, you know, she would go and buy herself a, a Cornish hen, Phyllis was her name. She would have what she would call noodles, right, which would be just spaghetti. Sometimes she would have spam, but she would come to our table. She would come to our dinner table as a guest on Thanksgiving, and she would rejoice in the idea of a full turkey, turkey with all the trimmings. I think about Phyllis because I know that within your circle, whether it's people in your church or your neighbors, I mean, a Thanksgiving meal is expensive. Um, It just is. So I'm always grateful for local churches or local community organizations who are giving away turkey and all the trimmings, right? And you can find that at a lot of different churches or with the Salvation Army or or any number of places that are, are willing and able to give. I mean, people, you know, you think about Thanksgiving Day uh, and people who are providing meals, whether, you know, Light of Life or City Mission and whatnot, they have to turn away volunteers on Thanksgiving Day. It's that one day out of the year people kind of go, yeah, I'm available. And feel good about yourself as a, you know, quote, volunteer giving back in some way. But it's about, you know, those other 364 days that those ministries really need your help that, um, you know, people are just are not available. But Thanksgiving Day, sure, people show up and feel good about themselves. All that to say, what about Dollar Tree? 
Dollar Tree, uh, one of those you know old sort of respites of people that are selling cheaper things for a dollar. Well, now they're, uh, the word is because of runaway inflation, and it has been runaway. Of course, you know this uh, gas prices and the, the cost of ground beef or whatever it is you're buying. Prices have skyrocketed. So corporate America, Dollar Tree, is no longer selling things for a dollar. The base minimum price is a buck and a quarter, a dollar and a quarter. Now, you know, for people kind of go, eh. But for my old neighbor, Phyllis, who had to spend and watch very carefully Every penny that she spent, the dollar store was her refuge because she could go to the dollar store and don't turn up your nose at this. A lot of Phyllis's daily nutrition came from the dollar store, whether it was that can of spam or, you know, a hot dog or a box of cereal or whatnot. A lot of America still survives this way. So I believe especially at this time of year, when we gather around our dinner table tomorrow, especially with family, with friends, there is a lot of abundance that we just take for granted in our lives, don't we? We just take for granted and we tend to forget about those who are living not only paycheck to paycheck, but really dollar to dollar and count those dollars very, very carefully. So. I think tomorrow, especially tomorrow, and then moving forward from that, when you think about the great gifts that we've been given, you think about your abundance. Now, I know it's hard for a lot of us, right? The dollar doesn't spend like it used to. But more often than not, we live in this great country. This is a great country. And despite what we're being told, that America is not a great country and the politics of all that, I think you know when you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day, this is a great country that we live in, and God really has blessed us. We're going through a difficult time, the the growing pains of what it is to be a more perfect union. But God really has blessed us. And I know as a believer, when we look at our passages in the Bible, I just did this during the 4 o'clock hour, to look at the passages of thankfulness, of gratitude, it is there. And especially if you call our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you know this in your heart of hearts, that we are blessed beyond comparison. So pass it along tomorrow. Give a little piece of yourself, not just tomorrow, to show up and volunteer, but every day, give something away to be part of yourself, right? To be part of the greater union, whether it's your time, your pocketbook, your attention, to give yourself away. It encourages not only you and your family, but all of us. 101.5 WORD. I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 930, Alan Jackson Ministries on 
on 101.5 WORD. If you owe the IRS back taxes, then get ready to pay up. The IRS has giant private collection agencies actively tracking down folks who owe the IRS. So if you think dodging them was stressful in the past, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. Optima Tax Relief has this advice. Don't wait. Solve your tax problems now before it's too late. Optima Tax Relief works to stop the demand letters, stop the aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS collectors from targeting you. Ask Optima about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands, and nobody knows this program better than they do. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and they get results, having resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get a fresh start. Call today for your free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. They miss out on the things that make being a kid fun. Starlight Children's Foundation has delivered happiness to 17 million seriously ill kids and their families at more than 800 children's hospitals and healthcare facilities. Our programs entertain and inspire hospitalized kids. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. Dr. Robert Tracy McKenzie is with us. He's a professor of history, holds the Arthur F. Holmes Chair of Faith and Learning at Wheaton College, author of The First Thanksgiving, What the Real Story Tells Us About Loving God and Learning from History. Tracy, welcome back. How are you, sir? It's good to be back with you. I'm I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. Our, our pleasure to have you with us. You're always an interesting guest, Trace. So um, this year especially, uh, if you would do an online search about Thanksgiving, uh, the naysayers now have turned Thanksgiving into something that is fraught with hand-wringing, that somehow we are wrong in American culture to celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's a complicated story. I mean, I, I think those who um, are critical of the celebration are, are thinking about the impact of um, European colonization on North America, and we have to acknowledge that sure. that, that was uh, the case. Um, I, I think with regard to Thanksgiving specifically and the role of the pilgrims in particular, I think we could argue on the contrary that the relationship between the pilgrims and the uh, Wampanoag Indian people who lived nearby was, for the most part, a success story for many generations. It, it wasn't 
um, without tension. And I, I think it was quite tense at times, but they found ways to cooperate, uh, to help one another, uh, and to coexist peacefully. So, so I tend to emphasize that part of it uh, much more than uh, I think our culture does today. Fabulous. I'll go with you on that as well. So the, the Wampanoag Indians, in many ways, they stepped alongside the, the pilgrims, right? I mean, they were helpers during those fraught first couple of years, were they not? Yes, that's, that, that is true. Uh, I think um, in particular, there was, there was one figure, and we uh, actually learned about this a little bit in, in grade school, uh, an individual named uh, Squanto, who is actually not a member of the Wampanoag tribe. He was a member of the Patuxet tribe, but that tribe had been really wiped out almost completely by disease. Uh, and he ended up with the Wampanoag. But he had spent some time in Europe uh, and had learned English. Uh, and he becomes absolutely central to the survival of the colony because he can translate uh, between the uh, the two groups. Uh, and it's really Squanto that that teaches, um, among other things, the skill of, uh, of farming eels. Uh, he shows them how to dig eels out of the riverbeds. And although it's part of the story we don't remember, in those times when the food supplies were short, eel was one of the main staples of the of the pilgrim diet. No kidding. I did not know that at all. So Squanto, because he sort of cross-cultural divides, he could talk to the Indians and to the Europeans. He was able to show the, the, uh, the Europeans how to survive a, a little hidden uh, food source. That's exactly right. So That's I joke and tell folks, rather than turkey, if they uh, had eel for the Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, they'd be closer to the historical reality. Have you yourself ever eaten eel? Absolutely not. <laughs> I agree the same way. Okay, so the the myth is, or the story is, that the pilgrims who came here came here because they were suffering religious persecution. So that's why they, they set sail for America. You're saying, you know, in uh, the first Thanksgiving, what the real story tells us about loving God and learning from history, that that really is a myth. It It is a myth, and it's understandable why we sort of become confused, uh, the a core of the Pilgrim uh, group leaves England uh, in 1608, and they leave England because of religious persecution that they're experiencing from the Church of England there. But they don't come to North America at that time. Uh, instead, they go to Holland, and that's part of the story we sometimes forget. They spend 12 years there, and Holland uh, for its day was, was probably the most religiously diverse and religiously tolerant um, uh, community in all of Europe. Really? Uh, and so the pilgrim writers say that they're actually experiencing great religious freedom there, uh, but they do face other challenges. Uh, they are agricultural people who are plopped down in this you know, bustling city and made into um, really factory workers. In essence, they're, they're working as weavers. Uh, they're struggling to, to make a living. Uh, they're concerned about the culture. They think the Dutch families are a little too permissive. They don't feel free to raise their families exactly as, as they really uh, think proper. Uh, and so they're more concerned about things like uh, how are we going to provide for ourselves in old age? How are we going to ensure the faithfulness of our children? That's different from uh, if I worship God openly, I might end up in prison. But yes. They're not concerned about that at all. Interesting. Now, if we were to somehow go back in time and worship with the pilgrims, would we recognize the roots of our Christian faith? I mean, to say, you know, are, are they, were, they, were, were they Baptists? Were they Episcopalians? Were they Anglicans, Catholic? What, what did that look like? So, so they were uh, uh, within the Church of England in their origins in um, England, and that was, of course, a protesting church that had broken off from the Catholic Church. 
uh, during the Protestant Reformation. So they were Protestant. Uh, they were reformed in their theology, which would mean that uh, they absolutely believed in God's exhaustive sovereignty over all things, uh, which is something that would separate them from many uh, Christians uh, today. Uh, they um, are aggressively congregational, which means they really objected to any kind of hierarchy within the church. They thought every congregation should be uh, autonomous. Uh, they were strict uh, in their interpretation of the Bible. They believed that the uh, Anglican Church and the Catholic Church as well had added a lot of ritual, a lot of hierarchy that wasn't uh, mandated in Scripture, and also holidays. Uh, and they thought many of the holidays that were on the Christian calendar were sort of invented, uh, and among those they would have included Christmas and Easter. Really? Uh, and so there are ways in which they were strict that would probably make us feel pretty uncomfortable uh, today. Uh, and I also like to think that there are some of the ways that they believe that would challenge and convict us today, that they were much less individualistic than we were. Uh, in fact, they, they migrated as a group, hoping to keep their church together rather than individual families, you know, making their own decisions of what was best for them. Uh, they had a deep hope of heaven, which I'm not sure that many of us really relate to uh, anymore. Our lives are fairly comfortable. Uh, and we can extend them and feel young for a long time, uh, they, I think, constantly put their faith uh, in a heavenly country. That, in fact, is why they use the name pilgrim. Uh, William Bradford called them pilgrims to say, in essence, they knew that the world was not their home. Fabulous. Okay, so then speaking of comfort, Tracy, uh, it was a very difficult time for them. I mean, the journey itself was very difficult. Then those first year or so, they lost a lot of their people, probably more than half of the people who came with them. Is that true? Uh, that's absolutely true. So uh, most of the deaths actually result from uh, the effort to relocate. They survived the voyage really remarkably well, uh, but they arrived on the coast of um, North America uh, just before Christmas, they're really not prepared for a New England winter. They don't have any kind of shelter. They'll spend much of that first winter uh, living on the Mayflower, but every day they will go ashore uh, to try to work on building structures. And the only way they can get ashore for much of that time is by wading uh, through the water. Uh, and so his, historians uh, calculate that probably most of those who die die from exposure that triggers perhaps pneumonia. Or, or something like that. So 52 of the 102 passengers of the Mayflower die within a few months of arrival. Oh my God! Uh, then they struggle with food supply. They they live really uh, with the real threat of starvation. Not just for one year. We often think that that uh, ends with that first good harvest and that things are much better. Actually, they struggle with the threat of starvation for several years. Really? Uh, and so it is a really really difficult, uh, arduous experience. So then any idea of the 102 original who came over, how many survived and flourished, you know, for a decade or more? Any idea about that? Well, so of the, of the 102, uh, 50 uh, will survive that first winter. And then after that, uh, they actually um, survived quite well in terms of mortality. William Bradford, who was the governor of the colony, kept a detailed list of, of births and deaths. And one of the things he marveled at late, later in his life is how many of the Pilgrim survivors ultimately went on to live very, for that time, very long lives. At the time of the first Thanksgiving celebration, 
there were only three of the party there more than 40 years old. It was, it was a very young uh, group, uh, but many of them will live um, uh, for, for a very long, long time. And William Bradford himself is going to live for um, about another um, 35 years uh, after that Thanksgiving celebration. We're talking with Dr. Robert Tracy McKenzie from Wheaton College about the first Thanksgiving. So then uh, what about that tension between the Native Americans and the the pilgrims themselves? I mean, grateful that the Native Americans were able to sustain the pilgrims in those early days. The tension arose just because, why? I mean, there's there's someone uh, alien in our backyard. We have to help them out. But uh, can you go deeper into that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one of the first things to bear in mind when we think about uh, the question uh, is that much had happened of great significance in the years leading up to the pilgrims' arrival. There were European fishermen primarily that were touching uh, the New England coast for decades before 1620, uh, and at some point uh, introduced uh, one or more European diseases that have a devastating effect uh, on the area. Some historians uh, speculate that it might have been viral hepatitis, but we really don't know for sure. What we do know uh, is that the population is just devastated. Some estimates go as high as 90% uh, of the indigenous population will will be uh, casualties uh, of that. So what that meant was is that the Native American groups, and there were many of them in New England, uh, are are totally destabilized. There had been sort of a, you know, a balance of power that had evolved over the years, uh, and that was utterly disrupted. Uh, which meant that it was a very unstable situation that the pilgrims uh, uh, found themselves in. The Wampanoag had themselves been devastated, and they were in a much weaker position, just sort of, I I guess, uh, by chance, a much weaker position than some of their rivals, uh, Native American rivals. So I think they see the pilgrims, or at least it's quite plausible that they see the pilgrims as potential allies uh, against um, other of their Native American rivals. Uh, had the pilgrims arrived, say, 10 or 20 years earlier before that uh, epidemic had its effect, uh, the Wampanoag might just have brushed the pilgrims, you know, sort of right back into the into the ocean. But they weren't strong enough to do that uh, in 1620. And so there's a kind of alliance. I think we would describe it really as an alliance of convenience. Uh, they need one another. They're not entirely sure that they can trust one another. Uh, but the consequences of, of not cooperating perhaps were even more frightful. Interesting. Okay, so then that first Thanksgiving, you say this Harvest Festival, uh, uh, now eel notwithstanding, there are things <laughs> that were at that feast that we would recognize today and perhaps eat, yes? Uh, yes, <laughs> but the list is fairly short. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's really no evidence that there was turkey uh, there were wild turkeys in the area, but uh, the kinds of weaponry that the pilgrims had were really not conducive to, to shooting these really fast-moving uh, birds. The, the weapon that the pilgrims had with them was what was called a matchlock musket, and it would have been about as tall as the typical man was high, very heavy, and only could be fired from a tripod. Hmm. Uh, and so it's almost certain that what they did was to conceal themselves in what we would call a blind uh, and shoot at water birds. Uh, and the pilgrim riders say that there were just waterfowl uh, all over the area. Uh, Plymouth is ringed with ponds and streams, uh, and they talk about geese and ducks and cranes and herons and swans. 
Swan had been considered a delicacy among English aristocrats at the time. Uh, and so we don't think of that. So I think they were eating those kinds of water birds. They weren't having pumpkin pie uh, because they didn't have any ovens. They didn't have any sugar. Uh, I don't think they would have had cranberry sauce with no sugar unless they were prepared for some really tart uh, tastes. Uh, uh, they probably had what they called salad herbs, which were things that they could grow in their garden, cabbages, uh, turnips, parsnips, carrots, those sorts of things. So I joke that turnips and eel are probably at least as authentic, uh, more authentic than turkey and dressing. <laughs> Heaven help us. So, uh, Dr. McKenzie, then, d- despite all the um, the fallacies and myths that surrounds Thanksgiving, what's your takeaway? I mean, uh, this was a good and natural alliance, a partnership, you would say, uh, necessary to the building blocks of this country. Uh, you find it fascinating still, obviously, to write a whole book about it. Um, it, it what are the things that take away that we need to know about that first Thanksgiving? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, even more broadly, uh, just uh, at the sort of mindset of the, of the pilgrim people uh, generally, they were not uh, for their day, with a couple exceptions, they were not well-educated, they were not property, they were not politically influential. We would, we would just describe them as very common people, uh, but they were committed to their family. They were committed to their Lord. They were committed to one another in terms of their church. And they were willing to risk their lives. And we have to say they knowingly risked their lives, expected that the fatalities would be high, uh, in order to create a life that they believed was both faithful to their God uh, and one in which their, their children would flourish as followers of God. Uh, and so for all their flaws, and they had flaws, for all their ethnocentrism for the ways in which they mirrored the values of 400 years ago. I also think they embodied a, a lot of uh, character traits that I admire. So, I, you know, I just unabashedly, we could say, uh, were ones worthy of, of emulation. Fabulous. Well, Dr. McKenzie, we need your voice. I mean, despite the historical um, wrangling that's going on right now, you need to go back to the the pilgrims and the Wampanoag and uh, hear that first story and to recognize that this country was built upon that. And uh, despite the naysayers, Thanksgiving is welcome. Uh, Well, I couldn't agree more. I actually do think that the more we learn about the story, not the myths uh, and not the politicization of the story today, but the more we learn about it, the more it becomes something that challenges and convicts us and can inspire us. Fabulous. Well, Dr. McKenzie, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. It's always a great pleasure to have you join us. Uh, Absolutely, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thanks so much. Dr. Robert McKenzie from Wheaton College. It's a wonderful book, The First Thanksgiving, What the Real Story Tells Us About Loving God and Learning from History. Robert Tracy McKenzie. Just a couple nights ago, John, I had that dream about college where I realized that it's uh, almost time for finals and I've never been to the class. Do you have that dream? No. You've I've... never had that dream. No. What? It's, all of a sudden it's, it's one of the most common dreams. What? Yeah. In America are people who are like me somehow in some way traumatized by how difficult college is. And so you just end up revisiting it. In, and it's always the same for me. I, I'm, I'm gripped by this horrible sinking feeling that I've never been to this class and I'm about to have to perform in the final. And there's no way I'm going to be able to. Because 
it's a challenge, right? So I guess because it's just it's so hard. There's so much stress involved in it. Right. Well, I, I'm I'm really really happy that all that is well behind us, right? And we haven't been college students for decades, and that's a good thing. But if you've got a child thinking about what happens at Grove City College, perhaps for next year as a freshman, know that that challenge is still there. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of the challenge and all that hard work and all the anxiety about it, Grove City has Christ first and foremost. The faculty, the staff, in the middle of it all, there is Jesus. So, of course, life is hard. A quality education is hard as well. But look at gcc.edu. Friday, December 3rd at 7 p.m., Memorial Park Church presents singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken. Sandra McCracken in a Christmas benefit concert to support the work of Nations in Sierra Leone. The concert is free. A goodwill offering will be taken. Get your free tickets now at edunations.org. Sandra McCracken, 7 p.m. December 3rd. RSVP at edunations.org. Sponsored by Amp Solutions. Hello, Word FM listeners. I'm Andrew Pawoski, General Sales Manager at Salem Media here in Pittsburgh. Looking to upgrade your career? Increase your annual earnings? At Salem Media, we sell advertising campaigns to local business owners using our radio stations and Salem Surround assets featuring over 50 social media and digital products. If you have more than two years of successful outside sales experience, proficient computer skills, and a drive to be the best, please go to salem.cc and look for Pittsburgh under the careers tab. Salem Media Pittsburgh is an equal opportunity employer. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. No matter their age, help your children develop into lifelong readers. This is Rich Askey, treasurer of the Pennsylvania State Education Association. Reading to your children early and often creates a habit that can last a lifetime. Encourage reading in your home by visiting the library frequently and letting your kids pick out books on subjects that interest them. Feed their natural curiosity with books. Reading is a habit that can spark a lifetime of learning. A message from the Pennsylvania State Education Association. Cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 37 for Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. Cloudy with a couple of afternoon showers and a high of 46. Tomorrow night, periods of rain in the evening, followed by a couple of showers of rain or snow late, low 29. Friday, a thick cloud cover. It'll be breezy with a couple of snow showers. We'll reach a high Friday of 34. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Now, if you listen to this show long enough, you know... I love a good outer space story. I love what they're doing, whether it's, you know, Elon Musk or NASA or Jeff Bezos. And people say, "Ah, that's a big waste of money. Why are we wasting our time? This is a cool story. Check this out. The first planetary defense mission. What? The first planetary defense mission got underway early this morning when NASA launched a space probe designed to deflect a distant asteroid in a test of technology that might one day save the world. This is cool. I mean, seriously. The 324 million double asteroid redirection test, or DART mission. It's a practice run for future efforts to protect Earth from collisions with asteroids and comets. Launched, they board a SpaceX Falcon 9 at 1.21 a.m. Eastern Time, 
from Vandenberg Space Force Base Mission in California. Mission planners expect the high-speed impact to alter the trajectory of the binary asteroid, which isn't believed to pose a threat. It is the uh, first time that humanity will change the motion of a natural celestial body in space, said Dark program scientist Tom Statler of NASA. The project is managed for NASA by John Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab in Laurel, Maryland. So here's what they're doing. Uh, They are going to launch this um, 1,200-pound small car-sized probe into this moonlit asteroid with enough force to change its velocity by a fraction of a millimeter or or so per second. And uh, the action will be photographed by a free-flying pint-sized satellite designed by the Italian Space Agency, which the probe will release 10 days before the impact. So if the mission succeeds, NASA said that one day they might use the impact technique to deflect an asteroid on a collision course with Earth. Quote, we're going to learn an incredible amount and be so much more prepared in the future if indeed a potential asteroid could pose a threat. Now, of course, NASA keeps track of a lot of this. I mean, you know, space watchers around the world, there's no imminent threat. They're saying that the closest threat is some 50 years away. But, that's a big but, but if it does happen by altering an asteroid, I mean, it could save humanity. You think about what, you know, when it goes back, what, the dinosaurs are extinct because of an asteroid, right? Uh, Yeah. Uh, this happened in Russia at the turn of the century, the turn of the last century in 1908. And it happened not that long ago uh, in Russia whenever uh, an asteroid hit and just, I think this asteroid that hit in Russia, I think it was five or six years ago, uh, it had 30 times the impact of, of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima. So it could happen. I mean, I just love the idea that, you know, we're messing with asteroids, and we're going to go up and blow one up and push the trajectory somewhere so it would change orbit. I mean, how cool is that? I just think it's super cool. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, come back. When we do come back, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and Advent. It's been a theme of our show. Josh Brown is going to join us from Belfield Presbyterian Church. That's in a few minutes. WORD. No matter how impossible your family situation may seem, it's amazing what God can do when you invite Him into your family time, ask Him for opportunities to share the gospel, and pray for Him to soften the hearts of family members. That's one of the insights in Prayers for Unsaved Loved Ones, a complete scripture guide, free from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Yours today at wordfm.com slash prayer. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. 
from Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. talking about tomorrow thanksgiving day and then of course black friday on friday and then on sunday the church calendar turns towards advent those three days have any connection whatsoever pastor josh brown is back with us josh is the pastor of belfield presbyterian church in the oakland neighborhood here in the city of pittsburgh hey josh welcome back john it's uh, good to be back with you thanks for having me yeah my pleasure so uh thanksgiving can that somehow help us in, in this coming season? I, I think you can make a connection to Advent. Sure, I'm, I'm willing to skip right over Black Friday there. That's a, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> se- se- separate kind of thing with entirely different purposes and yes. goals behind it. But I think that the Advent uh, season can can be led into quite well by Thanksgiving if we if we understand some of what Advent is about and then see some of the ways that that can be a good Thanksgiving can be a good kind of a preface into that. Very good. Okay. All right. So Thanksgiving Day, of course, for believers and unbelievers alike, we are faced with gratitude in our lives, a very good thing to give thanks for what we have in front of us. So how does that open the door then for the waiting period of Christ to enter the world? Yeah, gratitude is obviously a big part of the Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving holiday season itself. I think another feeling that a lot of people have that maybe they don't even quite know how to put their finger on or or identify quite exactly is a sense of longing, right? A sense of kind of expectation maybe of of something different, something better, something fuller. Uh, even even for those who gather in wonderful, loving settings, there's I think there's a sense of it's an anticipation. You get a sense that there's something perhaps even bigger in store for us. And, and certainly there are many for whom Thanksgiving is, is a difficult time. Uh, maybe they're going through the recent loss of a loved one or just they're not able to be with family or 
there's uh, this brokenness in the family relationships or they're on their own for whatever reason. And there would be an acute sense, I think, of longing and even loss. But both of those uh, are some of the things that we experience and are meant to experience through the Advent season, I think. So certainly gratitude. Uh, Advent is a time where we are celebrating and giving thanks and rejoicing in the good news of the birth of Jesus, the Savior who is promised to the world. It's also a time where we're meant to remind ourselves that he's coming back and when we look ahead we, we train ourselves to wait expectantly for that so you get those those kind of twin feelings of gratitude but also expectation and even longing that's good okay so we just we, we live in a world of hype do we not right where the next thing yeah. the next big thing is always hyped now I, i'm not saying you know that thanksgiving is hyping for for advent but in some ways you, you want to set the stage with that and and more often than not you know again in this world that we live in where we are surrounded by hype the event itself rarely equals the hype that is not true about thanksgiving and advent no, I don't think so. And, and you're right. And even even the way that I think most people go about Thanksgiving, and I realize that everybody's got, again, different traditions, different experiences, but I, I think that the way that a lot of people experience it can give a good sort of visual or even experiential um, reminder of those things. So we, we tend to have some snacks out early in the day, right? Everybody's got some little appetizers or things early, and it's usually a meal that involves several courses, and it builds up to some kind of big time that you're just able to really get into the heart of it there together. And uh, so it, it's not, it doesn't all come at once. I mean, maybe, maybe some people do it that way, but it's something that's usually a little spread out, but there is a build up, There is an anticipation there. And, and Advent, I think is, has some of those characteristics as well. Um, when we are celebrating over these four week periods, when we're getting these little reminders and we're hearing the scriptures read and the song song that proclaim the good news of Jesus, it's those are, those are little hors d'oeuvres in a way, the little appetizers kind of reminding us that something big is coming and it's not just Christmas day. That is a big thing, but all of that then is pointing us to that, that uh, kind of even bigger thing, if you will, of the return of that same Jesus and the one who will make all things new. And that will that will certainly exceed whatever hype we can try to lay upon it. Uh, it will be bigger and greater and grander than anything anyone could ever imagine. I'm into that. Okay, so uh, I follow along the church calendar. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time. And this is something that I think probably, uh, you know, a, a lot of us in the Presbyterian Church ha- have not done well. But but there is such mm-hmm. a thing as the church calendar. Can, can you talk about that? Because here we are, I think we're in the 34th week of ordinary time, and we're about to enter into the Advent season. This is significant. The church calendar really is a guide for us, but I think a lot of us tend to ignore it. It is. There are some traditions that clearly highlight that much better, and they are really anchored in that uh, in some pretty deep and profound ways. And then there are some traditions, some streams of Christianity, that if you if you mention them in the church calendar, they think you're talking about, I don't know, a little one foot page that just happens to have some religious iconography on it, right? That's right. the church calendar. Um, I don't think everybody even quite realizes what that is, but the, the church... Uh, throughout the ages and around the world, has has recognized that there are certain rhythms that just come with the Christian life, certain uh, stories that we trace through Scripture, certain seasons that we lead up to and then prepare for and then uh, spend some time in. So uh, the Advent season is typically when um, most of these will say, this, this is where, the time where we're beginning these things. We're focusing on these things. We're preparing for the birth of Jesus after that, we move into this time where uh, there's a lot of focused on his life, on his ministry. Uh, you move into the Lenten season then, which is 
uh, beginning to shift focus and say, well, there's a reason that Jesus came. There's a purpose, specific purpose for his coming. So we're going to prepare ourselves to start to journey to the cross with Jesus. We know that that's not the end of the story. So we have the Easter season, and it is a season. It's an eight-week period that is really meant to just rest in the incredibly good news of the resurrection. And then there is a long chunk of time called ordinary time, which is not meant to be... Ordinary doesn't mean boring or anything like that. It's a way to, to say that God is working and present in the everyday, uh, in, in, in these big triumphal seasons, as well as the, the day-to-day you're getting up and going about the life that God has put before you, and He is present and active there as well. I'm into that. Okay, so I'm glad you you know, you know sort of walked us through ever so quickly the, the church calendar <laughs> season, and that's good, Josh, because I think, like you said, people aren't aware of it in many ways, but you know, during the Lenten season, it's mm-hmm. often a time of, of mourning or, or self-denial. So as we right. begin the, the, the Advent season, what is it? I mean, is there something that we should be aware of or actively engage with, whether it's, you know, I mean, we're talking about denial for Lent. What about Advent season that you think about or pray about or, you know, somehow approach differently? Yeah, most most traditions that do recognize Advent as a season uh, will also pick up on that theme of repentance. Uh, that's, a, that's an aspect of it. Uh, it's good news that a Savior came. But by, by very definition, then, you're acknowledging that you need a Savior. And that is an aspect of it then. It's acknowledging, God, we need good news to come into this world. We need light and life and love to come into this world, uh, which can only come in the person of your son, Jesus. And so there is an aspect of repentance, but even more so, Advent is a time of, of waiting and of expectation. Um, the, first and foremost, again, for the Christmas Day itself, or the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus, at the same time, we look even further further out to say that this same Jesus is going to come again. He has said that he will. And so Ad- Advent, Advent is a word, for, I mean, maybe some people aren't aware of this. Advent usually uh, is a word that means something like appearance or arrival. So that's what, uh, that's what the word means. And we are simultaneously looking back and celebrating the arrival of Jesus, and we are looking ahead to his re-Advent. Fabulous. Pastor Josh Brown joins us from Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Hey, Josh, uh, talk about Belfield as we move into the Advent season, into Christmas. What goes on? Well, like a lot of people, we're going to start gearing up for some of those things. Um, we will, this Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, so we'll start to move into some of the uh, some of the traditions that mark that particular time and have some different opportunities throughout the next four weeks and through December. One thing that we do that I think may be a little unique to us, since we're located right in the midst of several different university communities, is that we we have a what we call a Christmas Eve ahead of time service, where most of we have a lot of students, a lot of university students that are part of our community, and they head home at fi- after finals week. And for some of them, we are their home church, or we are just a place they've gotten deeply connected. So we do a we do a full on Christmas Eve service. We just play at the beginning of finals week, just to say. We might not see you, but we want to celebrate this together. So uh, this year, that'll be Sunday, December 12th. That's one thing we do that maybe is just a little different, just to acknowledge, again, our particular context and working with so many people who will be leaving at the end of their semester and not seeing each other again until after the new year. Outstanding. Well, Josh, uh, always appreciate your time here with us, the, the work that you do as a pastor and Belfield within the Oakland neighborhood. So thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Hey, yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for everything you do. Happy Thanksgiving, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Our great pleasure. Josh Brown, Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Hey, I thought Kath was home making pies. She just texted me. She said she's got a story to share. That's next.
This is an important message. Do you have an IRA, 401k, or retirement account worth more than $100,000? Your portfolio may qualify for an IRS tax loophole that allows you to own physical, precious metals inside of your retirement account. Want our free report that shows you how? We are WealthProtectionResearch.com, and we help investors connect with the top precious metal companies in America to own physical gold and silver inside their retirement account using this little-known but very powerful IRS loophole. To claim your free IRS loophole report today, just text the word GOLD to 48542. WealthProtectionResearch.com wants to get this information in your hands now so that you can protect your hard-earned investments. Text G-O-L-D to 48542 to learn more. When you text the word GOLD to 48542, we'll send you a secure link to download our IRS loophole report to show you how to start protecting your wealth with precious metals. Don't wait. Text the word GOLD to 48542 now. Wealth Protection Research. Text GOLD to 48542. It's a fact that MyPillow doesn't have their box stores or any shopping channels available for their product anymore. And because of that, they are passing their extra savings directly to you. You can get the lowest price in the history of MyPillow for the classic standard MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with a promo code. They also have queen size, regularly $79.98, only $24.98 with a promo code. Or king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with a promo code. MyPillow is not just pillows. They also have over 150 products, everything from sleepwear to my new beds. Promo code also works on mystore.com and frankspeech.com. Go to MyPillow.com, call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling right now, 800-391-0954 for the best deal on MyPillow. Bags under your eyes? That's junk sleep. And Mattress Firm can help. Shop the Black Friday sale and save up to $500 on top-rated brands you'll love, like Sleepies. Plus, pair the mattress of your dreams with a free adjustable base with qualifying Tune in to Word FM this Thursday from 2.30 to 3 to hear our newest program, Kingdom Business, brought to you by the Ministry of CLC, Christ-led communities of Pittsburgh. Each week, host Mike Hatch highlights local Pittsburgh business leaders and entrepreneurs who are making a redemptive impact in the marketplace for the sake of God's kingdom. Tune in to Kingdom Business tomorrow and every Thursday from 2.30 to 3 and find inspiration to be an ambassador for Christ through enterprise here on 101.5 FM WORD. Each year, thousands of women are enslaved and sold like property in the U.S., and Pittsburgh ranks among the top 10 cities for human trafficking. But that's about to change. Thanks to Refuge for Women, the nation's largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, providing safe housing and specialized long-term care free of charge to women escaping this criminal industry, an expensive undertaking, one that deserves our support. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org Pittsburgh. got a text message from Kath earlier today saying, hey, I can't come in, which is fine. I mean, you know, everybody gets vacation time. And I thought she was home making pies. But Kath is on the phone with me right now uh, through the power of technology. Kath, tell me, you're not making pies? John, I was stricken. Stricken? Last night I was making banana bread. I'd already made two pumpkin pies. Yeah. And the banana bread fell apart in numerous ways, John. Numerous ways. <laughs> and somewhere near the end of the collapse... My throat started hurting, and I thought, now, either the banana bread has won, and I'm a victim, or I'm getting sick. Uh And so finally, I finished the task. I sat down on the sofa, fell asleep, woke up in the middle of the night, John. It was bad. Uh It was just bad. 
So I had to leave you alone today, and I'm sorry for it. I did go to the Rite Aid in Wexford to get a COVID test. Did you, though? Wait, no, I thought you just had a cold. Well, what when you have a cold now, what does that mean? Uh, we don't know, uh, yeah, right? I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. So I haven't had a cold since COVID started. I have not. I've never taken a COVID test until today. I didn't even know how to do it or oh, where to go. Wasn't that pleasant? It was real. It's not as bad though as when they put the thing up your nose and it like touched your brain. Apparently, they don't do that anymore. Oh no, I, I've done so, that. Really? So there was no oh, long Q-tip. Did you do involved. that? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is a little Q-tip, and I did it in my car. It was a drive-through thing. Oh, very nice. And do you yeah, know the so results? Anyway, well, no, because it's going to be three days. Oh. So then, what does that mean for you? Well, I don't know. What am I? I can't. Do I? I mean. It, John, how many of our listeners are going through something similar where they feel sick and they don't, if you don't, I, I'm just going to be waiting over the holiday. Right. Am I going to have pumpkin pie in my bedroom alone no. because I might have COVID? I think you're just going to go live your life, your best life now. Okay. <laughs> Do you think it's my best life, John? I believe it is, right? And you're <laughs> home with no furniture in your house with a Q-tip right. up your nose and some banana bread that may be half baked, but you know, right. you're committed to having a Thanksgiving day, are you not? How much time do we have here, John, in this segment? Uh, 50 seconds. That's too bad because the banana bread story is long and involved and tragic. (laughs) Perhaps I'll share with our listening audience on Monday. I'm sorry for you and your family. And I do Mm. pray that you don't have the COVID. I sure, I don't think I do because I don't feel like I do, John. But what does COVID feel like? Because if you've never had it, how do you know? I have no idea. I I have no help on that at all, Kath. Anyway, miss you here in studio. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our listeners. I hope people are baking furiously and enjoying some great preparations for tomorrow. I'm into that. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll see you maybe later than sooner. Sounds good. Hey, to everybody, happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. God is so good. Have a great day. We'll see you Monday. A Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.